Hey, what's up everybody? Shane here. Welcome back to the Conscious Love Show and welcome to 2024. I am super pumped up about this year. Um, as I said last year, we're gonna we're gonna be doing some really cool things with the podcast here. We're gonna be doing some really cool things with the Inspired Love Program. And I'm just so grateful that you're here, that you're tuning in, that you're gonna be a part of everything we're doing this year. I'm just so, so grateful. So thank you so much for being here. It means the world to me. And before we get started today, I wanna share with you something that I am really, truly excited about. So it's been my dream for many years to have the Inspired Love Program be accessible and affordable for everyone. And it's been something that me and my team behind the scenes have been working toward for a long time. And I'm just really proud to say that starting right now, at the beginning of 2024, starting today, we have the Inspired Love Program open at a low monthly rate. And right now, you can even join on a two-week free trial. So I just, I, I'm so excited about this. I can't tell you, I mean, we've put a lot of work into everything that's included in this program from you getting a private coach when you join to getting monthly sessions with me, to getting live workshops with experts, to getting just unlimited community support. I mean, just, there is so much involved in this program. I am so proud of what we built. I am so excited and inspired to be able to offer this to you. And like I said, right now you can join on a two week free trial. There is absolutely no cost at all. You only pay if you wanna stay. So I just wanna, from the bottom of my heart, encourage you and invite you to go check it out. I'm gonna leave the link in the description. You can also go to inspiredloveprogram.com. Go check it out. Take a look at what's there. Take a look at the, everything that's involved. And if you wanna join, again, you can join two weeks free, absolutely no cost. And I'm doing this because I really wanna make this available and accessible to all of you. So I hope you choose to join me. No excuses anymore. We've taken all the blockages off the table. All you got to do is go sign up. It's free. And I'll see you on the inside of the program. Thanks for being with me today. And let's jump into today's podcast. Lots of love. So welcome back, everybody. Welcome to 2024. Welcome to another episode of The Conscious Love Show. Shane here, as always, pleasure to be back with you today, and I've been looking forward to this. Um, you know, in, in the new year and through the holidays and stuff, my wife and I, we were, we were having a lot of conversations about everything, you know, about people we work with and just about life and love and how it happens and what needs to happen. And um, you know, I feel like it was really a great refresher for me just mentally and emotionally kind of take a break from constantly putting information out there and allow things to kind of integrate for myself and connect some of the dots and, and you know, be able to come back fresh and new. So I feel like I'm bringing that today. But um, something that really came up as we were talking about, you know, this, this journey to love, this journey to manifesting love and, you know, what it's going to really require of people to be able to create love in 2024. And where do people get stuck in this journey, right? And where where are people losing track or or missing the mark, right? And so we were we were kind of discussing all of these things. And something that came up in our discussions was really this conversation around passion. 
right? And that's leading me to what I want to speak about today when I want to speak about how to fall in love with your life and, and get turned on by your life and just get fired up and, and inspired by your life and how that is going to attract love in all of its forms into your life, right? It's going to attract connection, amazing experiences, financial abundance, friendship, and of course, like romantic partnership, right? So how do we really get like turned on and inspired? Like in, in the Inspired Love program, which I'll just say this, you know, the, the reason I call it the Inspired Love Program is because like the word inspired, what it means is in spirit, right? It, to be inspired is to be in spirit. It's to be like filled up by the spirit, to be alive in the spirit, to be filled with passion and joy and aliveness and connection to, to all human beings, to all of life, right? And so that's what it is to be inspired. And the reason I called the program Inspired Love is because it's really about connecting to the, the spiritual essence of life and bringing that through in all of your relationships and all of your experiences, having that be alive and present for you in everything. And by living that way, by living in spirit, by being filled up by the spirit, by being filled up by love and, and joy and abundance and all of this, like you literally do invite all good things into your life. And most of us, and understandably so, and we've talked about all the reasons for this, but most of us really struggle to be in that inspired state. And what I really want to talk about today are when we talk about living this inspired life, like what are some of the pitfalls? Where do we get stuck? Why do we get trapped? And what do we really need to let go of and be free of in order to really be fulfilled and inspired and, and be attracting love and all good things into our life? And I, I think the, the first thing I want to say around this is that, you know, a, a question has come up a lot recently with, with people I've been working with in the program that, you know, they've said like, no matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, no matter how hard I work, no matter how many things I pursue in my life, no matter how many hobbies I have, like, I just, I can't let this need for a relationship go, right? It's just plaguing me. It's just, it's just hanging over me. I, I, I carry this need for a relationship with me. And no matter how great my life is in every respect, no matter how many friends I have, no matter how many cool things I do, like, I just feel this emptiness and this loss and this, this lack of a relationship in my life. And I think when we talk about like passion or being inspired or really being in love and turned on by your life, like there's, there's a tendency to assume that that doesn't come with any kind of depressive or negative experience. And so first thing I want to say is like this inspired life, being turned on, being in love with your life is not about never having any kind of depressing or negative experience, right? But it's about moving through these experiences and having a place that you can come back to. And it's not about letting go of the need for a relationship. Like, I, you know, I something I talk about in the program is I talk about like how we are made of love, right? Like love is literally what the whole universe is made out of. It's what I'm made out of. Like it literally every cell, every molecule in the universe is made out of love. And a lot of people think that, well, if I'm made out of love, I shouldn't need love. I shouldn't need a partner. I shouldn't need connection. No, it's actually the exact opposite. Because you are made of love, because you are made of love, it drives you to connection with other people because that is how you express the love that you are. 
That is how the love that is inside of you reaches its fullest expression. It's not by keeping it inside and isolating and being like, I'm perfectly content. I don't need anyone. I don't need anything. No, like that doesn't, that doesn't expand the love that's inside of you. That contracts it. That diminishes it. That cuts it off, right? The love that is inside of us wants to expand. It wants to express. It wants to be out in the world. It wants to be seen. It wants to be felt. It wants to be experienced. It wants to be alive in relationships with other people, right? The the love that lives inside of us, that's what it wants. That's what it is driving towards. And so love is always going to drive you to relationship with other people. This, this need we have inside of us to be in relationship with others, to be connected to others, to, to, be, to be loving with others, to give and receive love in relationship with others, it is fundamental to who we and what we are. That's never going away. But, and I'll say but, because that's going to be there, it's never going away. And at the same time, that doesn't have to that doesn't have to diminish the joy that you experience day to day and so it's not about either or it's not about feeling the lack of a relationship or feeling the joy and fulfillment in my life it's not about either or but it's really about being able to have both I'm inspired and turned on by my life and I'm in love with my life and I'm filled with joy and abundance and I'm connected. And at the same time, I carry in my heart this deep desire for that partnership, this deep desire for that loving connection, that loving relationship with another human being, that deep desire to come home to to my love and to be received by them and, and be held by them and, and to have that like loving space that I live in with this person, right? Like there's, there's that dream and, and that desire like deep within our hearts and we hold that and we carry that with us and it's alive for us. And to some degree, it's informing every aspect of our lives, right? To some degree, that part of ourselves is giving direction to every area of our lives. It's it's telling us where to go, what to do, how to interact, what to say. But it's it's not happening in a destructive way. And so what happens is there's this desire, this this dream. I don't even I don't love the word desire, but but I think it works here, but this dream, this vision for our life, this this idea of of a future that we could experience in love, in partnership with somebody that is compelling us, that is calling us forward, that is calling us into it, right? There's this dream, this vision, this possibility for our lives. And then there's the contrast of the, the dream, the vision, the possibility for our lives. And then there's the reality of where we are now in our lives. And maybe that's the absence of a partner or the the absence of whatever we think it's supposed to look like. And there's contrast, right? There's, there's how we imagine it could be versus how it is. And this contrast creates fear. And so the fear drives us into the what if. What if it never happens for me? 
What if I never find my person? What if I try and try and I go on date after date after date and I like hit my head against the wall? And what if I, what if I do everything for year after year after year and it never happens, right? Or what if I miss the red flags? What if I don't see the signs and then I end up in an abusive situation like my ex who abused me? What if that happens again? Or what if I invest 10 years with someone and they, and they just leave me, right? And just, and on and on and on. And what if, and what if, and what if, and what if. And these, these kind of destructive what if ideas that are fueled by the fear, right? So there's, again, there's, there's the contrast between what I want and where I am. In experiencing that contrast, that creates fear, right? I, I see the contrast and that creates fear. I don't know how I'm going to get from where I am to where I want to be. I don't know where I'm going to meet that person. I don't know where I'm going to find that person. I don't know how this is going to happen, right? Like there's, there's the contrast between where I want to be and where I am. And the uncertainty of that creates fear. And in the fear, we fall into all these stories. What if this? What if that? What if the other thing? What if it never happens for me? What if I miss it? What if I had my chance and I fucked it up and now it's never going to happen again? And all these stories that we go into around it. And then these stories, these stories are the very things that prevent us from being inspired. These stories are the very things that prevent us from being connected and alive in our passion and turned on by our life and, and really embodying that beautiful, yummy energy that just like when somebody meets you and you're in that energy, it's just like, can I have more of you, please? <laughs> right? When can I see you again? Right? Because when you're in that energy, that's how people relate with you. But the fear, the story, the what if takes you out of that energy. And so what we've really got to do is we've really got to look at the fear. We've really got to look at the fear and the stories that the fear throws us into. And what most of us are doing most of us are trying to find a way to fix the fear and fix the story, right? We're trying, to, we're trying to say, I'll be inspired. I'll be alive. I'll be passionate. I'll be connected. I'll be feeling great. I'll be my most attractive self when I can finally get over these fears, when I can finally let them go, when I can finally never have to feel any of this ever again. And that day is never going to come because the journey is not to be free of the fear. The journey is not to never have an uncomfortable experience ever again. The journey is not to never be challenged ever again. The journey is to move towards what you want, navigating all of that, feeling all of those things, but in every moment, choosing who you want to be anyway. So the thing is, it's not about not having the fear but it's about not letting the fear become a story. So I want everyone to hear what I'm saying right now. There's a, there's a very tiny space. There's a very tiny space between the fear and the story that the fear creates. And that space is where your power lies. That little space between the fear and the story that the fear creates is the space where you have all the power to take control of your life and direct it to any place you want it to go. If you want to direct it to a deep, loving, passionate relationship with your ideal partner, you just feel loved and adored and cherished, you can direct your life to that place. 
I want you to really hear me on this. You can direct your life into the place. There are a bunch of you hearing that right now that go, oh, that, that'll never happen for me. Oh my God, it just seems so far away. It just seems so impossible. It can never happen. Like, I, I want you to hear me. The, those thoughts that you're hearing right now that say, oh my God, that can never happen. It's so far away. It just feels so impossible. That is the story that I'm talking about. That is the story right there. That's the story you live in that separates you from the love that is alive inside of you in this present moment right now. There is, a, there is a love more powerful than you even understand that is alive inside of you right now. It's been alive inside of you every moment since you were born. In those moments, if you think about times in your life, and we've all had them. For some of us, maybe they were few and far between, but we've all had them. If you think about those times in your life when everything felt beautiful, when everything felt lovely, when you felt like, oh my God, like, I, like life is just so wonderful in every way right now. And maybe those times have been few for you. Maybe they've been abundant, but what, whatever they were, if you can think of a time like that, you can think of a time and you can connect to that time. What you will see is that is a time when the love that is alive inside of you was unobstructed. When it was not being disconnected. When it was allowed to flow through freely. And, and see, in that moment, it wasn't about, oh my God, I have a partner. Or, oh my God, I have a million dollars. Or oh my God, like it was just an appreciation for what is right now. You see, the, the, the possible experience that we can all have in life is like a deep appreciation for being alive in this present moment. A deep appreciation for all the gifts that life has to offer. Even if you don't have what you want right now, a deep appreciation to even have the possibility to have what you want. To be alive in this, in this amazing creation where you get to move towards your desires and bring them into being. I mean, that is just, it's just so amazing. And the only thing that prevents you from seeing life in that way is your fear around is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? Why hasn't it happened yet? What did I do wrong? How can I correct it? What do I need to do? How, why am I not enough? What do I need to do to be enough? How do I need to fix or change myself or make myself better? Why did I get rejected? Why doesn't that person want me? And, and on and on and on and on. All of that disconnects you from the love and gratitude and appreciation and joy that could be alive in this moment. And all you've got to do is see the fear and not let the fear turn into a story. You see the fear and you don't let the fear turn into a story. So what does that look like? Well, let's just say, I mean, I'll, I, I use this example often, but let's just say, you know, you've been on a date with someone great date. You felt really connected. Like even in the moment you were on the date, it felt really good to you. You were like, this is great. I always want to have this kind of connection, right? Really great date. And then you go home from the date and maybe you're sitting in your house or your apartment or whatever. You're sitting there by yourself and you're thinking about the date. You're thinking about the person and you wonder, when am I going to hear from them? And maybe this is the first fearful thought that's happened since the date. 
right? There's just this little thought that comes in and says, when am I going to hear from them? Are they going to call me? Are they going to text me? Are they going to want to see me again? Are they going to ghost me? Right? And, and now we're in the what if. When am I going to hear from them? The, I, I, I thought they would have texted me an hour ago. Are they going to ghost me? Am I never going to hear from them again? What if I never hear from them again? Did I do something wrong? Did I say something stupid? I thought it was a great date, but maybe they weren't into me. Why wouldn't they be into me? Did I not look very good? Right? And just on and on and on. We go down the rabbit hole with all this stuff. That is the moment that you've lost it. That is the moment that you've lost your joy, your abundance, your, your possibility, all of it. So it's that moment right there where there's that little space between the fear and when the fear becomes a story. When you see it and you go, oh, here's the fear. Same old fear I've lived with throughout my life. Same old fear I've felt so many times throughout my life. Same old fear I felt after every date I've been on, right? Same old fear. Here it is again. Here it is coming up one more time in this present moment. And you see the fear. And you don't allow yourself to go into a story about it. So what does that look like? It looks something like this. Well, they're either going to text me or they won't. And either way, I know everything's going to be okay. Whether this person texts me or not, I know that I'm going to find what I'm looking for. I know that I'm going to get where I'm going. I know that the love inside of me is so real and so potent and so powerful and so alive that, of course, it would attract in its equivalent. And if this person is its equivalent, then they will text me back because that's what love would do. And if this person is not its equivalent, well, then they will fade off into the ether where they belong. And I'll never have to deal with them again, which is a good thing. And it's that little, that little tiny space between the fear and the story that defines your entire life, that defines every aspect of your life. Because here's what all you gotta do. It's, and look, we've never been taught this. Like, this is the craziest thing. Like, all the problems and like all of, our, all of our problems and our emotional struggles, like, if we had just been taught this when we were children, it would not be this way. Unfortunately, we were taught really bad ways to deal with this stuff. And this is why it's so problematic now. But literally, all you have to do in that moment before the fear becomes a story, is see it, catch it, breathe into it, feel it, feel it completely, let it move through you, and come back to your center. But you don't believe it's that simple, and I know you don't believe it's that simple because for a long time, I didn't believe it was that simple either. I thought I had to do something. I thought I had to fix it. I thought I had to control it. And I would call my friends and I would tell them everything I was afraid of. And what if I never hear from this girl again? And, oh, and I would, you know, I go like, it's just so unnecessary. Because all it does, all it does is it locks you into that lower vibration. It locks you into the vibrational state of desire. You see, in the Inspired Love Program, we look at the levels of energy chart, which I've talked about this before, but there's, there's a specific level of energy. There's a specific vibrational state that a human being can embody that's called desire. Earlier I said I don't love the word desire. This is why, but we'll just work with it. There's a certain vibrational state called desire. 
This is a, a real state that a human being can embody called desire. And when I am in the vibrational state of desire, I want you to hear me because this is really powerful what I'm about to share. When I am in the vibrational state of desire, that comes with a corresponding emotional state and a corresponding worldview. Let me just, let me just step back for a moment because I really want you to understand contextually what I'm talking about here. Every single vibrational state. So some of you might say, what is a vibrational state? What are you talking about when you say vibrational state? When I say a vibrational state, what I'm talking about is an energetic state of being, like literally a level of energy in your body, like literally the, the rate at which the energy in your body is moving. I know that might sound weird because we're not taught to think of our bodies like that, but our bodies are made of energy. And when we have tools that are powerful enough to measure this, we will actually be able to measure on these like deep microscopic levels the rate at which our energy is moving and we'll actually be able to, to measure the vibrational state that we are at. We don't, we don't have the tools that are able to do that right now. But this vibrational state called desire, as all vibrational states do, they come with an emotional state, a corresponding emotional state, and a corresponding worldview. So in the state of desire, the corresponding emotional state is craving, and the corresponding worldview is disappointing. Now, you know what the state of desire feels like, okay? And, and I know this because humanity as a whole is largely living in the vibrational state of desire. Like as a whole, that is, that is the average state at which humanity is existing. This is why we're all like desperately running around trying to get things, like a bunch of chickens with our head cut off. Like just, just desperately, we feel empty inside. We feel lost. We feel alone. We feel like something is missing from us. We feel incomplete. We feel not whole. And we are seeking something that is going to make that better. This is the average state of human beings. Yes, there are a lot of people that live far above this. There are also a lot of people that live far below this. But this is the average vibrational state of the human world right now. And so at the state of desire, it produces an emotional experience of craving and it produces a, um, a, a worldview that is disappointing. Now, what does that mean? It means that as long as you live at the state of desire, and the state of desire is characterized by, I feel empty, I feel that something is missing, I feel that I can't have what I want, I feel incomplete, I feel unwhole, I feel lost, any version of that, use your own words for it, whatever words resonate for you, but any version of that is the state of desire. When I am operating at the state of desire, I can only create experiences that are going to disappoint me and lead me to crave more. Like, you've got you've to understand, like, you are a creator, right? Like, we've all heard it said that we are made in the image and likeness of God. What does that mean? It means we are made as a reflection of God. We have the creative ability that God has. We don't have it on the massive scale that God has it. We're not in charge of the whole universe. Okay, but we have it in terms of our own universe. Made in the image of likeness, we are a reflection of the power that made us. So we are creators as well. And 
You don't create through your mind. You don't create through control. You don't create through forcing and pushing things and trying things and fighting. You don't create that way. The way you create is by operating in a vibrational state that is reflective of the thing you want to create. And as you maintain that vibrational state consistently, as you bring that same consistent state to the world over and over and over and over and over again, your world will begin to reflect that state. And if you're asking yourself, you're saying, I've tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. I've spent years on the dating apps. I've been on a million dates. I've done everything I can think of, but I still haven't found my person. I'm going to suggest that the reason it's showing up that way is because you've been doing it from the state of desire. And because you've been doing it from the state of desire, you can only create experiences that will be disappointing and will leave you craving more. Because that's how creation works. The vibrational state that you bring to life determines what is going to show up in life around you. Now, if we look at the vibrational state of acceptance, which the way I talk about it in the program is that the vibrational state of acceptance is the the gateway to all the higher realms, love, joy, peace, gratitude, so on. Right? The, the vibrational state of acceptance is the gateway to all of the higher realms. If we look at the vibrational state of acceptance, the corresponding emotional state is harmonious and the corresponding worldview is benign. What does that mean? It means that everything works in harmony There's a synchronicity, there's a design, there's an order to life. I can trust that. Even if this situation doesn't work out the way I wanted it to, I can trust that because I'm in acceptance of what is happening and I understand that there's a harmony in life. There's a design to life, there's a synchronicity to life, that things are not just happening randomly. And because I can recognize that synchronicity, that design, that harmony in life, I can also recognize that things are benign, that nothing comes into my life without my invitation, and that things can only hurt me after I've given them permission to, but that life is inherently good, that love is inherently the essence of life. And so if I want more love in my life, if I want that loving partnership, if I want more friendships, if I want more enlightened experiences, if I want more abundance in all the ways that abundance can come, if I want more of that in my life, I don't need to force myself to go work 10 times as hard as I have. What I need to do is align myself with the vibrational state that would bring all of that in. Like I often use the example, I say, why do palm trees grow on the beach? Why do palm trees grow on the beach? The answer is very obvious. Palm trees grow on the beach because the beach is the perfect environment for a palm tree. 
It's the perfect environment. It's all the conditions are right for a palm tree to show up there. Well, when all the conditions in your energetic state are right for that loving partnership to show up there, it will show up just as naturally as a palm tree does on the beach. And so I want to tie everything together here because I've talked about a lot. So let's, let's tie it all together and simplify it, okay? Life shows up. All everything in your life, your, your relationship status, your bank account, the work you do, the friendships you have, your hobbies, your interests, how you spend your time, the home you live in, the city you live in, the people you surround yourself with, all of it, all of it shows up as a reflection to the vibrational signature that you embody. If you are embodying a vibrational signature of desire, that's going to produce disappointing experiences that leave you craving more. If you show up in a vibrational state of acceptance, you are going to see life in the experiences that happen as benign, you are going to understand that there's an underlying harmony and design to all of the experiences that are happening. You're going to have a certain trust in the way that your life is unfolding. Even when things don't go your way, you're going to see the value in how it went. You're going to learn from that and it's actually going to level up your vibration. Like each disappointing experience, rather than dragging your vibration down like it does for most people, is actually going to bring it up because you will see the value in it. You will see what you learned. You will see what it opened up for you. You won't be so fixated on how you didn't get what you want. Rather, you will see how it did bring you something that you wanted, even if it wasn't the ultimate thing you wanted. And so the key is not to work harder at all the things you've already been doing that aren't working, and just burn yourself out to the point where you don't even want to try anymore. But the key is to approach it from a new place, to approach it from a different vibrational state, from a different vibrational signature. Now I see the question, okay, how do I do that? Got it. I understand. How do I do that? I'm going to bring it back to what we were talking about earlier. There's a tiny little space between the moment you experience fear and the moment the fear becomes a story. Now, when I say a tiny little space, I mean a tiny little space. I'm talking about milliseconds. I'm, I'm talking about like a space so small that you don't even know it's there until you start investigating it. Because it seems like the fear and the story are the same thing. It seems like as soon as I'm afraid, a story is there. And the story becomes who I am. The story becomes my identity. Right? I go on a date. The person ghosts me after the date. I go, <gasps> they ghosted me. I don't like that. That feels uncomfortable. That feels scary. And then immediately the story is there. It's never going to happen for me. This always happens to me. People ghost me. I'm not lovable. Why doesn't anyone want me? Why can't I have what I'm looking for? What am I doing wrong? Right? Immediately the story is there. So you're not even going to know that that space exists until you start investigating it. But when you start investigating it, you will see, you go, out on a, you go out on a date, three days go by, you don't hear from the person, 
They ghosted you. Boom. You're probably never going to hear from them again. Okay, now you're feeling it. The fear is there. <gasps> I really like this person. I really thought it was going to go somewhere. They ghosted me. This fucking sucks. Okay, now you're feeling the experience. What your mind wants to do is say, this always happens. Why does this happen to me? What's wrong with me? Now you're starting to make this disappointment who you are. Does everybody get me on that? The moment you start telling a story about what happened, you are making the disappointment who you are. It's not, oh, some person I barely know decided never to call me again. It's this person I barely know decided never to call me again because I'm fucked up and there's something wrong with me. That's what the story does. I really hope everybody gets that. That's what the story does. So you've got to catch that little space before the fear becomes a story. And you've got to say, okay, that's their life, their stuff, whatever's going on for them, that's their business. I'm not going to take it personally. I'm not going to make it mean anything about me. I'm going to accept the experience. I'm going to find the gift in the experience. What I just got ghosted. What the fuck is the gift in getting ghosted, Shane? Well, here's the gift. Maybe you get to work through some of your own insecurity. Maybe you get to work through the way that you take things personally. Maybe you get to work through how you don't allow people in your life the freedom to ghost you if they want to. Look, like I'll just there is not a single person in my life who can, who can ghost me if they want to, like, or who can't ghost me if they want like, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I don't care if you're my best friend. Like, if you want to ghost me, go for it. And I might feel sad about it. Like, like if one of my best friends goes to me, I actually, it's funny, I actually processed this over the weekend. So I sent one of my best friends who I haven't seen in a while, I sent him a text message. And I said, I said, uh, you know, after all these years, you're still my best friend. I love you, brother. You're an amazing guy. I sent him that on New Year's Eve. He didn't respond. And, and I, for a moment, got in my head of like, wow, like maybe our friendship has drifted over the years. Maybe he doesn't think that much about me. Like maybe he doesn't want to talk to me. Maybe he's going to ignore my message. Like I went through all this stuff in my head. And you know what I said to myself? I said, okay, if that's how he feels, if that's where our friendship is, then so be it. I don't need him to offer anything to me that he doesn't want to. Right? So it's, it's allowing people to be who they are, to do the things they want to do without taking it personally. That is acceptance. That is allowing. And here's the thing. You see, if I can allow someone to ghost me, if I can allow someone to break up with me, if I can allow someone to walk away, my, my boyfriend or my girlfriend of, you know, a couple of years who comes to me and says, I'm not in love with you anymore. And I don't want this relationship anymore. And I can go like, Wow, that fucking hurts. Oh my God, like that, that's hard. Like that's really fucking hard right now. And at the same time, I can say to them that, listen, if you're not in love with me, then you gotta go. Like that hurts. Like, oh my God, that hurts. But I'm not gonna beg you to stay. I'm not gonna beg you to stay in a relationship that you don't wanna be in just on my account so I can make you unhappy and then make myself unhappy because of it. Like, I'm not gonna ask for that. If you're not in love, then you got to go. And yeah, it hurts, but here's the thing. I know myself as someone who is powerful enough to work my way through the pain. And I think a lot of us don't believe in our own strength like that. 
We don't believe that we can work our way through the pain and come out the other side better than ever before. We just don't believe that. And so rather than facing the pain, hey, if you're going to ghost me, please do it sooner rather than later because I just want to know who you are. Rather than doing that, we say, please don't ghost me. Because if you ghost me, I'm going to feel unworthy and I can't handle that. And that is where the breakthrough is. That right there, what I just said, that's where the breakthrough is. When you start to recognize, I can handle it. Not only can I handle it, I welcome it. Bring it on. If you're going to leave me, do it. If you're going to ghost me, do it. Bring it on because I know without a doubt in my mind that it's going to hurt, but that I'm going to work through that pain consciously and I'm going to work through that pain powerfully and I'm going to come out the other side of it and on the other side of it, I will be better than I've ever been before. I will be stronger than I've ever been before. I will be more secure in myself than I've ever been before. I will be more confident than I've ever been before. I will be presenting myself in the dating world and in the world as a whole more attractive than I ever have before. Because I know when you hurt me and I go into that dark night of the soul and I really have to ask myself who I am and what I'm made of, I know that I'm only going to find beautiful things there. And, and actually on the other side of this, I'm going to thank you for sending me to that dark place so I could come back better than ever before. And this all starts with a, a commitment to not fall into those stories. To not allow those stories to be your truth. You see, you get to choose what your truth is. It's up to you. Nobody else gets to decide that. You get to choose what your truth is. If you think you're ugly and unlovable and unwanted and left behind and forgotten, you're right. You're right. And you will have a vibrational state in life that expresses that as your truth in the world. And life and people and relationships are going to reflect that back to you. Because one fundamental truth about life is you, you get back what you give. What you put out in the world is what comes back to you. And I know you're a nice person. I get it. Like, you're a nice person. You're a kind person. You're a loving person. You're a warm person. You only want good things for people. I get it. Unfortunately, that's not enough. Because if you're a nice person who also feels unworthy and feels unlovable, your life is not going to reflect the fact that you're a nice person. Your life is going to reflect the unworthy and unlovable. And yeah, you're a nice person, but it doesn't really matter. And when you feel worthy and lovable, your life is going to reflect that. And there's no like, this is the thing, and this is why I say, 
By the way, I just I want to put this in here. I know I've probably mentioned it somewhere else, but I just want to put this in here right now is that I am offering a free trial of the Inspired Love program right now. I'm offering the uh, a lower version of the program rather than this being this big upfront investment. There's a low monthly fee. You can start with a free trial. It's something I'm just launching this year. And the reason I'm doing that is because I want more people to be able to get into the work. I want more people to be able to get into this work because here's the thing is there is nothing you could do. Like there's no meditation you could do. There's no exercise you could do. Like there's, there's no one thing you can do that is going to change all of this for you because the change happens by doing the work consistently in your life day after day after day after day after day. In those little moments, like when you're home alone after you've come back from a date and you're sitting there and you're wondering if this person is going to text you and you feel that fear coming up, it's your ability to practice this in those moments that's going to make all the difference. And I truly believe that in order to do that effectively, in order to really learn how to do that, you need a few things. You need a coach or a guide. You need someone that you can actually talk to about what's happening for you. And they can give you guidance and insight on your situation. You can actually, you can actually be guided in this process. That's important. That's essential. I mean, it was essential for me. I'll put it that way. I've had coaches for the last 10 years. I still have a coach. I'm meeting with her tomorrow morning. So like you need that. It's essential. You also need a community of people who are working on this with you. Because if you're the only person in your life doing this, and you look around and everyone around you is like, what the fuck are you doing? That's lame. That's stupid. That's never going to work. Are you, are you delusional? Like if that's your, if that's your surroundings, the vibrational quality of your surroundings are going to overtake you. Like that's how energy works. It sucks us in when the energy of our surroundings is more powerful than our own personal energy. We get sucked into that energy. So you need a community of people who are in this conversation with you that are doing the work themselves, that are getting results. So you can look at, you can go, oh, well, it worked for her. And if it worked for her, it could work for me too. Even if I'm on the journey, even if I'm not quite there yet, I'm doing the work and I can believe the work because I see it working for these people. And I can believe in myself because I saw these people believe in themselves and I can see it happening for them. So you need a coach, you need a community, you need guidance. Like you, you actually, you need to do work around uncovering your history, your belief systems, how all of this has been set up for you, how you came to understand all of this, how you came to view it in this way, right? Where this all started, how the story developed into what it is. What is your identity? How do you understand yourself? How do you think and feel about yourself within your own mind? Right? Like all of these things are essential. And this is how transformation happens. It's by being in an environment where all of these things are present. So you can get the guidance you need. You can understand how it applies to you personally, which might be a little bit different from how it applies to someone else. You can understand how it applies to the specific situations that you're going through. You can have the support around you, the inspiration, the people cheering you on, the people saying, yes, you can have this. Yes, this can work for you. And that's what we offer in the program.
So again, I'm just going to say it one more time is we have a free trial available right now, two-week free trial. When your free trial is over, it rolls into a low monthly fee. You can cancel anytime. If, if it doesn't work for you, just cancel. Right? I don't want you there if it's not working for you, but, but I, I'm doing this right now because I want more people to get access to the work. Like I've made it so easy for you, you don't have to pay a penny to join. All you got to do is go try it out. And you only pay if it's working for you. Like I have, I've literally made this as easy as I possibly can because I know how important this is. Like I know how much people are suffering right now and I know that if you get into an environment where you have the support you need, it can all change. Like I, I literally watch it happen all the time. Like it's what I do for a living is just sit back and watch this happen. I mean, I don't sit back. I, I get involved too, but you know what I mean? <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I want to really encourage you to do that. You can go to inspiredloveprogram.com and you can get started there, inspiredloveprogram.com. And what I really want to come back to here is that all of the work, all of the work is in feeling the fear rather than letting the fear become a story. Right? So there's what happens actually, um, I work with a, a breath worker. Her name is Lori Reyes DeSanti and she's really, really amazing breath worker. Um, but, and she actually, she comes and does breath work in the program too. So she facilitates breath work for the inspired love people. But, um, when, when she was doing the last breath work last month, she, uh, she shared something with us that I thought was really powerful. And she was like, when, when we experience trauma, when we experience trauma, right? Something happens in our breath. We hold the breath, right? So if you think about like, if you, if you were driving down the highway and you saw like a, a bad pileup accident happen right in front of you, what would you do? You'd go, <gasps> right? And what do we do? We go, <gasps> and then when we hold that breath, it actually locks the trauma inside of our body, right? So we do the same thing when we get afraid. It, it might not be, you know, like there's a pileup accident in front of us, like, <gasps> but when that person doesn't text you back, you go, <gasps> it's the same physiological response. It's, it's fear. It's holding your breath. People say, don't hold your breath. Why? Because that's what we do when we're waiting for something, right? We, <gasps> So you hold your breath. And when you do that, you lock that trauma inside of your body. This sends your body into a survival response. That survival response then activates your ego. Your ego starts trying to resolve it. So your ego starts thinking, what did I do wrong? What do I have to do to fix it? Why, don't, why doesn't anybody want me? Your ego is trying to find a rational way to resolve all of this. And this is what perpetuates the cycle. And we just keep repeating this. We get triggered. <gasps> we reinforce the trauma. Our ego tries to resolve it. It starts telling us a story. We get stuck in the story. And this just becomes a self-perpetuating cycle that defines our whole life. And so when the fear comes up, when you feel that fear, are they going to ghost me? Do they, do they not like me? Did I do something wrong? When you feel that fear, <gasps> you've got to, <sighs> it's okay. It's okay. Whatever happens is okay. 
Big, deep breaths. I'm going to be okay. Whatever happens, if they respond, wonderful. If I see them again, wonderful. If they don't, I'm going to be okay. Breathing big, deep breaths through it. You're not letting it get trapped in your body. You're not letting it get stuck in your body. Big, deep breaths. Big, deep breaths in, big, deep breaths out. I'm feeling it. I am opening myself up physically. Physically, I am rolling my shoulders back. I am opening myself up. I am allowing the experience, right? What do we do when we're afraid? (gasps) We contract, we tighten, we close our shoulders in, we cover our heart, right? Our heart is vulnerable. Physiologically, we try to protect our heart. We close up around it. We... (gasps) And now we're locking the trauma in place. It's becoming more real for us. It's becoming more true. It's becoming more alive. This is just like last time. They're going to do to me this time what they did last time. It's going to happen again. They're going to disappear. I'm going to be left alone. Reinforcing it, locking it in. The story is becoming more true. It's becoming more real. Rather than open, it's okay. I accept whatever happens. I allow whatever happens. I trust whatever happens. I know that I am going to be okay, whatever happens. I know that I am lovable. I know that I am worthy. I know that the, the love inside of me, again, is it's so real that somebody else has to want that. Like, I cannot be the only one in the world who feels this. It's too big. It's too real. It's too meaningful. So I have to trust that. Yeah, that person ghosted me, but they ghosted me, but that doesn't change what I feel inside of me. It is so big and so real that somebody else has to feel that too. Somebody else has to want that in the same way I want. I can't be the only one. And so you start to believe in that. You see, that becomes more real than the person who ghosted you. That becomes more real than the narcissist ex who broke your heart. That becomes the only thing worth listening to. That becomes the only thing worth paying attention to. Everything else is just noise. And then what do you do? What do you do? You go out and you bring that into your life, right? So you go out in your friendships and you go to your reading group and you go to your exercise group and you go to your hiking group and you go wherever you go and you start bringing that energy with you. And you start interacting with people from that energy. You start sharing that love. with everybody that you meet, with everybody you interact with. You start bringing that energy. You start inspiring the world around you because of of how inspired you are, right? Filled with the spirit, alive in the spirit, alive in love. 
you know, people say to me sometimes, because I'm, I'm a big fan of meeting people in real life rather than meeting people on the apps. And we do use apps sometimes. I mean, I don't, I don't tell people to completely get off the apps, but, but I'm a big fan of me meeting people in real life. And I think it's way easier to do than most people think. And a lot of people will tell me sometimes, they'll be like, Shane, I went to a hiking group. I went to church. I went to a reading class. I went to an art class. I went to a dance class. I went here. I went there. I went everywhere. And I haven't met a single person I like in all of this stuff. And my question to them is, okay, did you have a good time? Were you alive when you were doing it? Was that action that you took, that hike, that reading group, that dance class, was that action that you took an expression of the love that's inside of you? Or were you just doing it to try to get something? Were you just doing it to try to meet someone? As soon as you meet someone, are you going to stop doing that thing? Because, because it was never about expressing love anyway. It was just about trying to get what you want. And then we point to, if you're just doing it to try to meet someone or get what you want, then you're still operating at the level of desire. You're still operating at the level of desire. Because when I talk about going out and doing those activities and meeting people and having fun, it's not about going out and getting something. It's about going out and giving something. It's about bringing something to the table. And like, here's the thing, you get really good at that, you're gonna meet people. I, like the, that energy is going to draw people in. But maybe what you need to do first is learn how to do those things in that way. is learn how to show up and be this amazing, energized, inspired version of yourself and interact with life in that way without needing to get something from it, right? I'm not doing it to get something. I'm doing it because this is who I am. I'm not going hiking to meet someone. I'm going hiking because, oh my God, it just feels so good to be out here in the fresh air. It feels so good to be among the trees and the rocks and the ground and the, and the beautiful sky and the sunlight. And I'm just breathing it in. And it feels so good to be around these people right now and to be out in nature with them and to be sharing stories and sharing jokes and sharing a meal and laughing. It just feels so good to be alive in this moment right now, to be breathing in the fresh air and to be me and to be interacting with these people in this way. And you know what? This moment feels good even though I don't have a partner in my life. And I am gonna choose to be in this moment and soak it up fully and allow myself to get all the richness of this moment. And I'm not gonna take that away from myself just because I don't have a partner in my life. I'm not going to turn this moment into shit just because there's one little area of my life that's not perfect. 
I'm going to love myself enough to experience the fullness of life, to experience the fullness of myself, to allow other people to experience the fullness of myself. And I know that when I do this, love will come like the most natural thing in the world. Love will come like palm trees on the beach. Because how could it not? How could it not? How could something that real, that big, that vibrant, not be reflected. And that's the journey. So if you want to set an intention for this year, and I always, I love the new year. I love setting intentions. I just think it's, it's so powerful. It's such a powerful practice. And if you want to set an intention for this year, rather than setting the intention like maybe you have many years before, to fall in love, to meet your person, to get that relationship. Maybe set the intention this year to fall in love with yourself, to fall in love with your life, to fall in love with your friendships, to fall in love with your hobbies, to fall in love with what is, rather than hoping to fall in love with what isn't. Set the intention to fill yourself up with the fullness of everything that is already good in your life right now. And then trust that doing that, doing that simple thing of allowing yourself to be inspired by your life, allowing yourself to be filled with the love that's already inside of you, trust that doing that will take care of everything that's missing. Everything that's not currently in your life will make its way in as a reflection of you doing that. And if you want some help, and I think we all need help. I really do. I think we all need help. I needed a lot of help. I still need help. I, I say this all the time. I have a therapist and a coach. And I talk to my therapist every week, my coach every other week, right? Like we all need help. So if you feel that you need some help, you can get started with Inspired Love, absolutely free. And you only pay if you want to. You only pay if it's helping you. All right, so that being said, I wanna go ahead and open up for some questions. We've talked about a lot today. I definitely wanna take any questions and make sure that you know anything that wasn't clear, anything you're confused about, you know, I really want you to like start the year really getting this and really being able to move with it. So any questions you have, anything that wasn't clear today, anything you want me to speak into, like drop those questions in, let's really digest this because I mean, again, like this, this is the most important thing. This is the most important thing. This will define your whole year and all the years that come. So let's get started. Drop your questions in the chat. And I'm going to start with this question from Supreet Pruti. How to work on anxious attachment style. And thanks so much for dropping the question. And let's start there. So this is actually great because it's very much what I'm talking about. And, and again, um, what I'm talking about here, like if you remember, I talked about this little space between the fear, right? There's this little space before the fear becomes a story. 
that little space between the fears where you work. And this goes whether you are anxious or whether you are avoidant, right? Because what I, and actually, by the way, in the program, I don't mean to keep talking about it, but in the program, we actually go over avoidant and attachment and disorganized styles. And we look at specific points of growth for each one, because this is the thing about attachment styles is every attachment style has very specific points of growth that you need to work on with that attachment style. And they're different, right? So the, the anxious points are different from the avoidant points and the avoidant points are different from the disorganized points. But if you can really get clear on what those points are and you can start actively practicing them, and again, you practice them in that little space I talked about, right? That space between uh, fear and story, right? That's where you practice. So for anxious people, we'll talk about that because that's, um, that's the question. So for anxious people, the, the work is to get comfortable with the uncertainty, right? To get comfortable with the, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to see this person again. I don't know if I'm not. I don't know if they're going to text me. I don't know if they're not, right? So it's to get comfortable with the uncertainty. Just allow that to be there. Allow yourself to live in that space. Allow yourself to live in the space of not knowing. Allow yourself to live in the gray area. Allow yourself to get comfortable with the idea that things are going to work themselves out in time and you're going to need to be patient and wait to see how things work themselves out right? Anxious people want an answer now. Give me commitment now. Be with me now. Be who I want you to be now. Love me now, right? Right? Like we don't want to have, we don't want to play the guessing game. We don't want to have to figure it out. We don't want to have to wait. We just wanted to lock it down. And we, because the thing is for anxious people, your childhood experiences, and we also cover all of this in the program. So we're going to look at your childhood. We're going to look at the archetypes that were expressed by your parents. We're going to look at how you took that on. We're going to look at what that implied for you and how that manifested in your life. So we're going to do all of this. But for an anxious person in your childhood, for whatever reason, whatever the archetypes that were expressed, whatever environment was expressed there, you got the impression that if things are not certain, I am not safe. And so you develop this way of relating with your parents of constantly trying to get their attention, get their presence, get their love, get them to be there because, because you did not feel safe without that, right? Love me, pay attention to me, show up for me, like me, care for me, tend to me, nurture me, right? Because that's the only way you felt safe as a child. And whenever that wasn't happening, you, it gave you anxiety. And as an adult, that manifests as anxious attachment. We carry those same patterns into relationship with lovers and, and romantic partners. And so we can't deal with the space. We can't deal with the, they're off doing their own thing. I might not hear from them for a few days and that's okay. I'm just going to give them space to do their own thing. Let them come back in their own time. Anxious attachment is, or, or working through anxious attachment is practicing being okay living in that space. And once again, as I said earlier, not going into stories about it, right? So I'm just in the space. They're doing their thing. They'll get back to me when they get back to me. I'm going to give them space. I'm going to practice being in the space and trust how things happen. 
trust how things work out. And if they don't text back or they don't call or whatever, I'm not going to make it mean something about me. I'm just going to trust that that was what it was meant to be. And I'm going to allow it. I'm going to accept it. I'm going to release it. I'm going to move on with my life. Right now, I know me saying that and doing it are two completely different things, but that's the gap, right? It's, it's practicing that until you can do it consciously, intentionally, with awareness, practicing that until you can do it. All right, great question. Thank you, Supreet Pruti. Wonderful question. I'm going to jump right in with uh, Yuri Fra here. She says, why is it so hard for us to accept things the way they are? And I love this question. I love this question. Because um, why, why don't we accept things or why is it so hard for us to accept things? The reason is trauma in one form or another, in one form or another. And so like, you know, sometimes people say like, I don't have any trauma. I had a perfect childhood. My parents were amazing. And I'd say, okay, well, are you able to always accept things the way they are? No. Okay. Well then you have some trauma, right? And trauma isn't always what we think it is. Like we tend to think of trauma as like intense, abusive situations, but trauma is anything that limits your ability to love fully and anything that limits your ability to be yourself fully. And so we've had very subtle traumas in our life. Like when I was in third grade, I moved to a new school halfway through the year and I was like ostracized by all the kids, right? And you know, that experience got left behind. It wasn't a big deal, but, but on some level, when that happened to me, there was a level of, I don't feel safe to be myself. I don't feel safe to express myself fully. I don't feel safe to be authentic. I don't feel safe to love completely. And so trauma, I mean, trauma can be so many things. Like we can even be traumatized by television. And, and again, we don't need to make trauma into this big monstrous thing, but just understand it as it's anything that limits your ability to love and be authentic fully. And so because of our traumas, which are all these little pains and all these little heartaches and all these little things we've experienced throughout our lives that have limited our ability to love and, and be fully expressed. And what our trauma has done is it's filled us with fear. And so we're constantly on guard. We're constantly trying to protect ourselves. We're constantly seeing things as, as dangerous, as things that are going to hurt us, as things that are going to prevent us from getting what we want in life, that they're going to stand in the way of our dreams. And so when something happens in life that isn't what we want, it triggers all of this fear and all of this need to control things and have them be a certain way in order to make ourselves feel safe. And that is what presents, or excuse me, that is what prevents the ability to accept it. It is a very, very destructive and harmful learned behavior that has told us that things are not safe. Things are not safe. And so we have to protect ourselves. And anytime things go wrong or not according to our plan, we freak out because we feel threatened. We feel like what we want or our, we feel that either we're going to lose something we have or we're not going to get something we want. And that's what prevents it. And what we need to learn and understand is that life is actually always bringing us to what we want, even when things don't work out for us. And the thing 
that prevents us from getting to what we want is our reaction to those things, right? So life is bringing us to what we want. And on the path to what we want, we're going to encounter things that we don't want. And if we can handle those things gracefully and take them in stride and flow with them and move through them and feel what we have to feel but not overreact to it, if we can just gracefully and gently move through those things, life will carry us to everything we want. When we resist, when we react, when we dig our heels in, when we fight, when we beat ourselves up, when we judge and criticize ourselves, when we start going into hopeless stories about it, that takes us off track. And then life has to bring us back around on track. And then we get ourselves off track again. And life has to bring us back on track. And if we constantly take ourselves off track, we never find what we're looking for. Life is trying to keep you on track. And acceptance is the way to stay on track. Great question. Thank you for asking. Beautiful question, Yuri. Um, uh, Mag Ceramic is asking, can I please share what the monthly payment for the program is? I'm not going to share that. And I'm going to be completely honest. Here's why. Because I want you to go look at it. So all the information is on the page. I just want you to go look at it. It's called inspiredloveprogram.com. If I tell you right now, you're going to immediately decide and, and I don't want you to do that. I want you to go look at it. So I'm not going to tell you. So you go look at it. That's my strategy. I'm going to be honest about it. Love you, but that's what we're doing. All right. Um, Adriana Guzman. So, the, so acceptance is basically faith that things are going to work out for good. Uh, that's a tricky question. Um, that's a tricky question. Okay. Acceptance is basically faith that things are going to work out for good. The only pause I, I have about that is that Things are going to work out for good sometimes, and things are going to work out for bad other times. Acceptance is the willingness to accept all of it. So saying the faith that things are going to work out for good, I mean, I get where you're coming from. And like, I, I want to say this. I do believe, I do believe that there is a way that we can navigate ourselves to our dreams. I truly believe that. I've done it in many respects in my life. I am still doing it in many other respects. But I do believe there is a way that we can navigate ourselves toward our dreams. I do truly believe that. That doesn't mean that things are always going to work out for good. And I've often shared the example of like when my wife was diagnosed with cancer, right? And so that was, that was a time when things didn't work out for good. But actually, when I look at what happened to me in that experience and how I grew through that experience, when I look at what happened to her and how she grew in that experience, when I look at our relationship and how it grew in that experience and how like all aspects of our life are unfolding as a result of that, I can see that that bad thing was a part of having things work out for good. But it didn't feel that way at the time. And what a lot of people do, and I know this because we learned this going through the treatment, is like a lot of relationships break up during cancer treatment because it's just too hard. 
It's just too hard. They, they just can't handle it. And so they break up during cancer treatment. Now, my wife and I didn't, you know, thank God, God bless, we didn't. And what I've found is that if I had reacted to that and I had said, oh my God, this is too hard. I just can't do this. This isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what our marriage was supposed to be. I'm out. Like I can't do this. If I had done that, then I would have missed out on what we have now. So if I had gotten thrown into a reaction, left the relationship, I would have gone back into another cycle and I would have had to get back on track and start over and try again. That's what we all do in our lives. So it was my willingness and my ability to be with the challenge of the situation and the discomfort of the situation and say like, I'm committed to my wife. I'm committed to our relationship. I'm going to stick through this. I know it's hard, but if I'm going to leave the relationship, it's going to be way down the road. It's not going to be right now. Right. And it was my willingness to stick it out and stick through that that has allowed it to come full circle for us to be getting the benefits that we're getting now. But that never would have happened if I had gone into a reaction, if I had let the fear throw me into a story. And, and by the way, I just want to say this because it's honest, is like to some degree, the fear was there. And to some degree, the fear did throw me into a story. And I had stories and I worked through the stories with my therapist. Okay, so like, I'm not saying that it didn't happen at all, but it was my ability to navigate that experience that allowed us to have the relationship we have now. And, and her ability too, I'm not taking 100% of the credit for it, okay? like not at all, but at least on my end in my experience of life, it was my ability to navigate that that allowed us to get to where we are now. That experience only made our relationship better, but it wasn't, quote, a good thing. So acceptance isn't faith that things will only work out for good. Acceptance is, is faith that things are working out and that I don't see the whole picture, that I don't know how it's going to go, that this person ghosting me or breaking up with me is a part of the grand design that I don't really understand how it all works together, but I trust that it is there. And I lean into the trust rather than leaning into the fear. Beautiful question, Adriana. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, this comment is from uh, Casey Runner. She says, I used to think I was anxious, but now I think I'm disorganized because I have a tendency to shut down and withdraw when I'm hurt. Yeah, uh, thanks for bringing that up, Casey. And, and I think, you know, attachment styles are not a perfect science, first of all. Um, when, when we do the attachment quiz, there's what we get as a gradient, right? And so you might have like 50% uh, anxious, 20% disorganized, 30%, whatever, right? You get the idea. Um, and really it's, it's probably more. Most people have like at least like 30 plus percent secure and then, and then the other ones are kind of dispersed in different ways. But, um, and we all have a certain degree of security too. But um, what I was going to say is that attachment styles are not a perfect science. And I've, I've known people, I've, I mean, some of my clients, like they've been avoidant their entire lives, but then they get into a certain relationship and they suddenly become anxious. And it's like that their whole life being avoidant for all those years was just a way to protect themselves from falling into all those anxious feelings, 
right? So there, there are like, it's not a perfect science and it shows up differently for everyone. But this is why I say is like, it's important to know the points of growth for each style. And then by knowing the points of growth for each style, you can be present to your experience in the moment. And you can say, okay, if I'm experiencing avoidant tendencies right now, this is what I need to bring forward, right? This is what I need to practice. If I'm experiencing anxious tendencies right now, this is what I need to practice. If I'm experiencing disorganized tendencies, like this is what I need to practice, right? And so by really just being aware of this and being present to your own experience, because it, it might change in different relationships, it might be different. When you're single, it might be different than when you're in a relationship. So just by being aware of all of this and knowing how to work with it, you just check in with your own experience and you go, okay, what do I need to work with here? Right? So that's, that's what I would say, Casey is, um, is yeah, you know, it, it doesn't really matter what your style is. It just matters what you're experiencing right now and knowing how to work with that. So thanks for bringing that up, Casey. Great, great thing to put in here. Um, all right. Branding 31, a lot of questions today. I love the questions and I'm moving through them quickly. So we'll just keep going with it for a minute. Um, Branding 31, I feel that I'm living my life, my best life solo, but also feel that I'm wasting my time. Hold on. Sorry. I feel that I'm living my best life solo, but also feel I'm wasting away not being able to give the best parts of me to someone else. Okay. That's a story. I can't give the best parts of me to someone else. Why not? Go give them to the barista at the coffee shop. Go give them to the person you know, checking you out at the grocery store. Go give them to your friends. Go give them to your family. Go give them to your nieces and nephews. Go give them to your kids. Go to a new place and give them to the people who are there. Right, you see, and 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 I love this. I love you bringing this up and thank you. And, and this is not a, no judgment, but there's a call out here, right? Because you are withholding those parts of yourself and saying, I'm only gonna give them when. And then you wonder why the universe is withholding love from you. Do you get that? Like, does everybody really get that? You're saying, I can't give away the best parts of me. No, you can. And you're choosing not to. You're saying, I will only give them when this happens. And the universe is saying, okay, well, you'll only have love when you give them. Right? Like, that's the fullness of what I'm talking about. When I talk about, like, being turned on by your life. When I talk about being passionate, being alive, being inspired, being alive in the spirit, being filled up with like vibrance and love and joy, like you're so full of the best aspects of you that they are pouring out of you and you can't even stop it. It's like me being here right now. I couldn't keep my mouth shut if I wanted to. It's just pouring out of me. Right? Like that's the energy. That's the energy. So like... I would say this is what I would offer you as a practical, a practical advice. Make a list of what you think those best parts of you will look like when they're expressed. Make a list. Write it down. Do, 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 do. Write down a long list. How can I express the best parts of me? It looks like this. It looks like this. It looks like this. It looks like this. It looks like this then go out in your life with the relationships you currently have with the people who are currently around you and find ways to do that. 
find ways to do that. Be creative, think outside the box, do things you've never done before, right? Now I understand like you're not gonna go sleep with people. You're, you're, I mean, you're not gonna go get, I mean, you might, but most people don't, at least not quickly, right? So, but if you want to, do you. But I'm saying like, you know, it might not look romantic, but what are other ways? What are ways you can be intimate with someone? You know, maybe when you meet the barista at the coffee shop, you just make eye contact and you just hold that eye contact for a little bit longer than you're used to. And you just give that person a smile. And without even saying a word in, in a moment there, you share a moment of intimacy with that person where you communicate to them that I see you and that I love you and that you matter and that your life matters. You just take a moment to be present with the barista at the coffee shop and just look them right in the eyes and send them some love without even saying a word. And in the moment you do that, you might feel an experience of intimacy that you're not used to. And then you go, oh, look at me. I just gave away one of the best parts of myself. And then you start to get comfortable with that. And you start to do that with everyone all the time, everywhere you go. You start to be a living beacon of love. You see, the way my wife and I talk about this is that doing what I'm talking about right now, like you literally become a beacon of love in the world. And then your partner, who, by the way, you don't even know who they are. You on your best day, like I on my best day could have never came up with my wife. And she on her best day could have never come up with me, okay? What we thought we were looking for was very different than what we found. Right? So you're putting this beacon of love out. You don't even know who's going to respond to it. But when they show up, you're like, oh, there they are. They're responding to the energetic signature that you're putting out there. Right? You're putting something out. You're putting an energetic frequency out in the world that they're going to it's going to hit them. They're going to feel it. And they're going to go, whoa, what just hit me? Who's that? So I love that. Thank you for bringing that up. Beautiful, beautiful share. All right. I think there are five questions. I'm going to do my best to get to all of them. No promises. We'll see how much time we have. But I'm going to start here with um, Meg Ceramic. And so she asks, does anxious attachment come from a space of feeling abandoned? The anxious attachment, the way the, the way the top thinkers talk about it, um, and, and I, like, I think all of our experiences are just so unique, right? So we all, we all kind of have our own unique combination of this stuff. I, I think it's, it's a little bit dangerous to, to like put ourselves into a box and say, I am this or I am that. But we all have our own unique combination of this stuff. But the way the experts talk about it is that anxious attachment usually shows up when you had an inconsistent childhood. So like maybe you had divorced parents and you were shuffled back and forth. And maybe you were more attached to one of the parents than the other, but the parent that you were more attached to was like forced to drop you off with the other parent. And so you had like these times where you were very close to this parent who was very secure and loving, but then you had times where this parent wasn't available, right? And so, you know, when you're with the parent who's very secure and loving, you feel safe, you feel good, you feel at ease, you feel at home but then you have to go to your dad's house or your mom's house and you don't feel that way when you're there, right? And so the, the inconsistency of I feel secure sometimes, I don't feel secure sometimes, 
right? Maybe you had a mom who had an addiction or something. And maybe you had a single mother, she had an addiction and like she was really loving and really awesome when she was around and she was, she would kiss you and hold you and touch you and take you places and play with you and all the stuff. But then when she needed to go handle her addiction, she would drop you off at grandma's house for like a week at a time and she would disappear, right? So like these are some examples of what might create an anxious attachment. It's when you had love you had warmth, you had touch, you had all of that, right? Like you were held, you were touched, you were loved, you were warm. Like all of that was there, but it was inconsistent and you didn't know when you could count on it and when you couldn't. That creates anxious attachment. Like I, I grew up with more of an anxious attachment style and the reason for me was because like I had a really loving mom, but she was 19 years old, she was a student and worked a full-time job. So it's like I was constantly dropped off at friend's house and babysitters and daycare and grandma. And like I loved my mom and we had a great relationship, but my mom was just often not there. And so I always wanted my mom to be around, but there was just this constant inconsistency. That tends to create anxious attachment. Avoidant attachment usually is when the um, avoidant attachment is when there wasn't really any love or warmth. Right. So avoidant attachment is when I grew up in a situation where there was like just it was like a, a tough environment. Maybe both my parents were tough. There wasn't a lot of emotional availability. You know, they were very much about like, do what you're supposed to do. Don't ask questions. Right. If, if like I was crying, they were like, don't cry. Don't don't be a wimp. Right. Like that kind of stuff. So that tends to create avoidant attachment. The reason a lot of men have avoidant attachment is because a lot of men were brought up like that. Whereas a lot of girls tended to have more of the love and support, but it was inconsistent. A lot of boys were like, it was like the tough love, right? Like get it together, be a man, like that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and then I'll just, while we're talking about this, I'll just go the, the whole way. Um, disorganized attachment tends to be a result of trauma. So disorganized attachment is when the people that were supposed to be safe and loving for you were actually a source of danger, right? And so these are the people that were supposed to be the, the people who would comfort you, who would protect you, who would keep you safe, who would love you, who you could go to if you needed something. And rather than being there for you, they were the pe perpetrators, right? So the only people you had to go to for safety and love were the people who were perpetrating the trauma that usually creates a disorganized attachment where it's like, I want love, but love isn't safe. I reach out for it, but I'm hurt when I do. And you tend to have a lot of extreme reactions like, you know, I, I like fight, flight or freeze type things because like your experience is just that love is not safe. So those are kind of generally what the attachment styles are and how they and how they come about. And then secure is a little obvious, but when we had consistency and we had love and warmth and empathy, that tends to create more of a secure attachment, right? So people who have secure attachments are people who just generally had a pretty consistent, loving upbringing. Um, in general, and again, there are like so many exceptions and nuance to all of this, but generally that's how it works. Um, thank you for the question, Meg. Awesome question. Um, okay, from Catherine. She says, my fear is taking acceptance in things as they are too far and staying in unsatisfying situations for too long. What advice for still trying to make changes, but in a healthy way? Yeah. Yeah. So this is an important point and I'm glad you're bringing this up because acceptance doesn't mean I just allow whatever, 
right? And so it's like, it's like, yeah, if I go on a date with someone and they ghost me, I'm going to accept that they ghosted me. I'm going to give them the space to ghost me. I'm not going to be like, oh my God, please don't ghost me. Like, I'm going to be like, if you want to ghost me, ghost me. Like, whatever, you know? But I'm going to allow them the space to do that. But if they ghost me and then come back two weeks later, I'm going to be like, dude, you fucking ghosted me. Like, I don't want to hear from you. Like, no, we're done. You had your chance. You ghosted me. You showed me who you were, right? So acceptance doesn't mean that you're just cool with whatever, right? Like, look, you know, you might, when you're, when you're getting to know somebody, when you're developing a partnership with someone, you actually choose, let me put it this way. You accept the totality of who they are. So maybe they're abusive. Maybe they're an alcoholic. Maybe they're a liar. Maybe they're a narcissist, right? Like you accept the totality of who they are. You don't delude yourself into pretending they're someone they aren't. You don't justify, oh, well, they did this, but maybe it's okay. Because no, like you, you really pay attention and you're like, let me see who this person is and let me accept the totality of who they are. But then I also get to choose what I am willing to accept in a relationship. So it's like, I'll accept the totality of who you are. I give you total freedom to be who you want to be. If you want to be an abusive, lying narcissist, you can. I'm not going to pretend you're something else. I'm not going to try to make you be something different. But what I am going to do is I'm going to be paying attention to who you are. And I'm going to be measuring that up against the kind of partner that I want to have a relationship with. And if you don't make the cut, you don't make the cut. Right? So I'm not saying to accept less than you deserve or even less than you want. But what I'm, what I'm saying is you need to allow what's going to happen to happen. You need to be in acceptance of what already exists, not fight with what exists, not argue with what exists. You want to really let the truth of what is penetrate your heart. You see, a lot of people, they might be with a lying, abusive narcissist, but they don't actually let the truth of that penetrate their heart. Because they're like, no, no, no. They want to make excuses. They want to justify because they don't actually want to let the relationship go. Right? So that's where, like, I'm actually saying the exact opposite. Accept the fullness of who that person is. Let it penetrate your heart so that you can let go of what's not right for you. It's when you don't accept it that you end up clinging to it and fighting for it and justifying it and making excuses. When you really accept it, you'll let it go. So thank you for the question. It's a great clarifying question, and I think it's really important to make that distinction here. That yes, you accept everything, but you don't allow whatever into your life. You have boundaries. You have standards about what you are willing to let into your life and what you're not. If someone ghosts you, they've given up the right to have access to your life, in my opinion. Like I would just, very simple, like you ghosted me, we're done. Um, okay. Thank you for the question, Catherine. All right. Let me see. We just got a couple more. Um, all right. I can get to at least, at least one, at least one more, maybe two. Okay. Okay. Yuri Fry, I see your question. Um, it's, it's similar to the last question. So I'm just going to skip that, uh, asking very similar things. 
But let me go down here. Yeah, this is one I wanted to get. Um, Chiara Chiara Nel Bosco. Chiara Nel Bosco. I don't I don't know if I probably butchered the name, but I did my best with it. Um, Chiara Nel Bosco. So. What is the difference in the dating process between a man that wants a relationship and a man that doesn't know what he wants yet? Okay, awesome question. And I'll, I'll close it out with this. Um, I'll close it out with this, and then that'll be that for today. So what's the difference between a man who is ready for a relationship and a man who doesn't know what he wants yet? Great question. Great question to close it out with. So... I've, I've spoken in one of my previous podcasts about there being four different types of men. And I've also spoken about there being three different types of men, but uh, those are two completely different conversations. So I'm going to talk about the four types right now. And I was just thinking about this recently, actually, is the, the four types are, there's, there's like the narcissist guy. And the narcissist guy is just completely about himself doesn't give a fuck about you, doesn't give a fuck about what you want, doesn't care what you're looking for, doesn't care if he hurts you. He's just literally taking whatever he can get, whatever he wants. Um, then there's who I call the wild card guy. And the wild card guy is, he's like, he's like, you just really don't know because he doesn't know. So he's like unclear. He's not out to hurt you. He's not out to just take what he wants. He's just kind of floundering. Right, so if you meet this guy, it's possible he could fall in love with you and, and that could be it. It's possible he could ghost you. It's possible he could really like you, but one of his friends says something to him like, bro, you're really gonna wife up with this chick or something like that. And then he's like, yeah, you're right. And then he lets it go because he's just not clear. Then you have the guy who I'd say is like on a path, on a journey. And this is the guy who is, is gonna probably show up consistently He's going to be honest about what he's looking for. He's going to be honest about if he wants this relationship or not. Like he's going to really, he's going to really try to do the right thing. And then you have the guy who's like the committed man. And I would say he's, he's like the guy on a path, but another level of it, right? Like, like he's the guy who really knows exactly what he wants. He's like, I want to be with you. I'm going to do anything to have you. Like, like he's, he's like just very clear, right? So I, I think Rather than making two categories, it's helpful to make four categories because the narcissist guy, nothing is ever going to happen with him. He's just going to use and abuse. He's just going to use and abuse, take what he wants. And when it, when it's too hard or it doesn't work or he gets bored of it, he's just going to throw it aside. The wild card guy, like I'd say this is probably like 90% of the guys you would meet on dating apps. They would be like the wild card guy. Okay, they're just hanging out, having a good time, meeting people. If something happens, great. I'm open. Maybe I could fall in love one day. I don't know. I'm not in a hurry. Like, that's like the wild card guy, right? Now, and I'd say like probably 90% of the guys on dating apps are wild card guys. You might have some narcissists mixed in there too. But those wild card guys are just like, you know, there's not a lot of potential there. But if the connection happens in the right way, maybe it would go somewhere, right? So like if, if you meet one of these guys, like it's like you just, you just see what happens. But if, if he doesn't start getting really interested really fast, you just let it go. You don't like, you don't chase, you don't work too hard with that. Now this guy who's on a path is like, he shows up very differently 
because he's like open to like really deep, vulnerable conversations. He's probably doing some work on himself. He's probably been like in a men's group or at least been reading some books or at least been like in therapy. Like he's done some kind of work on himself. Like he really wants to be a good guy. He really wants to do the right thing. But he also is like confused, you know? He doesn't really know exactly what he's looking for. He doesn't really know what he's like, what's gonna happen. So like this guy, I've a, a lot of the women I've coached, when they meet a guy like this, they usually have like a really deep, intense, vulnerable connection but then it, it usually kind of fizzles out because this guy is like very emotionally available. He wants to talk. He wants to be honest. He, but he's also like not really clear. Like he's still working on himself. He's still figuring things out. So this guy is like, he, he's just like what I said, like often happens is, you know, you'll meet someone, there'll be like a really deep emotional connection. There'll be like honesty and authenticity and vulnerability. And, and a, lot, a lot of times you'll be like, wow, I've never met a guy like this. Like, wow, this guy's really, he's really something, you know? And, and then what often happens is, and I don't want to say this always happens because sometimes it doesn't, but what often happens is he like just, he just kind of like gets in his head or is like, I'm just not ready yet. I still have work to do. Or just like there's there's still stuff I'm working through with my ex or like there's usually some kind of like drama there. I don't want to say usually. There can be some kind of drama there that prevents him from being really ready. And then the committed man is like the guy who's like, I want you. Like just what do I got to do? Like I'm going to do whatever I can. And, and one distinction I want to make about the committed guy is he's different from the nice guy in that like the nice guy is going to let you walk all over him. The committed guy won't. So the committed guy's like, I want you. I'm going to show up for you. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to like, I'm going to do my best to like plan like dates and things. And just like, I want to show you a good time. I want to show you the value of being together. Like, I'm just going to really do my best with you. But if you start taking advantage of that, or if you start like walking all over him, or you start thinking like, oh, woohoo, I've got the upper hand. He's just going to be like, you're not the kind of woman I'm looking for. And so if you start taking that energy with the committed guy, he's going to lose interest in you. And he's just going to be like, that, that is not the kind of lady I'm looking for. So those are really, I think, the four types of men that you encounter in terms of readiness for commitment. And, you know, obviously, I think the, the best case scenario is to meet the, the fourth guy. But I'd say if, if, you meet, if you meet either of the two middle guys, there is some possibility there, but that's where you've got to be really clear and really discerning and you've got to communicate really well and, and you've got to be like, you've got to ask for what you want. You've got to see like, you know, I've asked for what I want. Is he making the effort to give it to me? Doesn't mean he has to do it perfectly, but it does mean he needs to make the effort, right? So yeah, that's, that's I think, um, I hope that answers the question. But that's kind of what you can expect in terms of the different types of men that you would meet in terms of readiness for commitment. All right. So talked about a lot today. Talked about a lot, but I wanted to just really give you something real and practical that you can work with going into the new year. Like, you know, as I said, if, if you set if you set intentions for the new year, like don't set your intention to fall in love or to meet the person or, you know, like, I mean, you can if you want to. I'm not going to tell you not to do that. But I think it would be so much more powerful to set an intention of like, I want to fall in love with myself this year. I want to fall in love with my life this year. 
Like, I want to look in the mirror and say, oh my God, like you are a fucking catch. And like anybody who ends up with you is going to be like so lucky. Like just to really fully feel that about yourself and just to really like go out into your life. And like I talked about earlier with the question, it's like, it's like uh, the question was from branding 31, right? It's like, how, how do I, how do I give the best parts of myself to my life? And everywhere I go, like with the barista at the coffee shop, if I go hiking with some people, like how do I show up there? If I, if I, like wherever I go, like bringing the very best of myself and like really being inspired about my life, right? Like I said earlier, it's like being in spirit, inspired in spirit, being alive. And the last thing I'll say, and I know I've said it several times today, but just for anyone who maybe is just joining in or anything like that, but um, right now, starting out this new year, I've done something I've never done before. And I'm offering um, the Inspired Love program at a low monthly membership. So, uh, you know, I've never had that available before, um, but it's available at a low monthly membership. And even better than that, I'm offering you a two-week free trial, right? Two-week free trial. So you can join absolutely for free if you want to stay on, stay on. If you don't, don't. But you can get in there. You can have an experience of the program. You can meet with your coach. You can start working through the modules. You can get connected to the community. You can see if this is something that you think is really going to support you this year. If so, you keep paying a small monthly fee. If you don't want it, you just quit, right? But I'm doing this, like I've said already, I'm doing this because I just, I really want this to be available to more and more people. I really just want this to be available to so many people because we need this. Like we need this, we need the guidance, we need the support, we need the community. And I have built that for you. I have built the place where you can get all of that. So please just take me up on this offer. Go sign up for the free trial. Again, cancel if you don't wanna do it, but take me up on this offer. Um, if you're interested, go to inspiredloveprogram.com. That's inspiredloveprogram.com. You can get started right there. Again, you pay nothing for the first two weeks. Just check it out. Just see if it's for you. Meet with your coach. Get connected to the community. Just see if this is for you. If it is, great. If not, that's fine too. But at least try it. At least, at least see if this could be the thing that's going to change everything for you this year. And, and I can tell you, I have a lot of graduates. It's changed a lot of things for a lot of people. So it could do that for you too. All right. So much love, everybody. Happy New Year. I really wish everyone just the most amazing 2024 you can imagine. Um, you know, you deserve it. You've worked hard. You're, you know, I mean, like you, you so deserve it. So, you know, wishing you like just love and light for 2024. Let's have it be amazing. You know, I hope you tune into the podcast this year. I've got a lot of exciting things planned for the podcast. We're going to do some really cool stuff here. So I hope you keep tuning into the podcast. And um, yeah, just so much love and blessings for 2024. I'll be back here next Tuesday, everybody. Lots of love and I'll see you then. Take care. Bye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.